0: This morning, we're talking about community. Community. Community is key. What is a key? It unlocks something, right? So, therefore, if community is key, community is going to unlock something special for us in our lives, in our Christian life specifically this morning. Community is key, it is absolutely vital. This morning, we're going to be in Exodus 17 and 18. We're going to read various verses and we'll do that as we go throughout. Um, But this morning, as we approach this story in the book of Exodus and this part of Moses' life, we're going to see that leadership can be a very lonely place. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a leadership position. I, I would argue that every single person is in a leadership position of some kind, whether you are leading. Yourself or your family or that small task you do at work, you are leading in something. A leader doesn't just have to be a pastor or an executive or whatever it might be. A leader is someone who is influencing any particular area. And oftentimes, the higher you go on the leadership rung, the ladder, I guess, if you will, the higher rung that you are, the lonelier it gets. Over the last year, two years, it seems like there has been um, a higher rate, I don't know if that's what you would say, or more and more ministry leaders that I've heard of around the United States taking their own lives struggling with depression and loneliness and my heart breaks for them but it brings us to the harsh reality that leadership can be a lonely place and community is key and this morning the the message isn't about leadership it's about community but we're going to see it displayed in the life of the leader of millions of people in the life of Moses Moses Leadership can be a lonely place, but community is key. No matter what role in leadership you happen to be in, there have been times when you have probably felt like you were all alone in that task. Even if it's me, I work at REI for one more, more week, which is awesome. Uh, anyways, I work at REI, and sometimes I'm, I'm taking clothes out of boxes and putting them on hangers and hanging them up. And I'm all by myself, and it is up to me to lead this box of clothes. It can be a very lonely place back there. And sometimes I, I see people walking by, I'm like, well, they don't look like they're doing anything. Why aren't they here doing this with me? It's kind of selfish of me. But it can be a lonely place. I think all of us have faced that reality. Maybe you're a, a parent who's had to be home with your kids by yourself. You're like, well, why isn't he home with me, taking care of this screaming child? I, I, did I just see Car- Carla? did you nudge Tim? No matter what position of leadership you've been in, I'm sure you've experienced that. Why am I here alone doing this? Why is this up to me? But leaders, see, we need a community of people around them. This is for certain. But leader or not, however you view yourself this morning, we all need people around us. We all need community. Life truly is better together. And, you know, we've tried here at Keystone to create a community and a family feel, and I, I believe that God has truly blessed us in that area. Um, I could tell that from the very first time we ever visited Keystone Church, that this was, this was a church family. People always say, well, good morning, church family, so on and so forth. But the church isn't always a family. And that doesn't have anything, that's not a knock with the per, to the person who's saying that or whatever, but... It's all about how the family comes together. How the church comes together. And I believe that we truly are. God has blessed us in the fact that we are a church family. Since the day we've opened the doors. We've pushed that. Um, and as we look at a couple of instances. Here in the life of Moses. Uh, I trust and I pray that we'll once again. Be reminded of the importance. Of community. Of our community. Here. Out there. Out there. At your workplace, at your home, that we'll be reminded of the importance of community. We pray before we get into the scripture. Lord, we love you so much. God, thank you for the also humbling opportunity to come before you. Lord, to worship you. Thank you for your promise that you inhabit the praises of your people. God, we know you're here in our midst today. What an honor. Lord, as we approach your word and the things that you have written down on the pages of scripture for us to know that we need to hear, that we need to to change us, that we need to to motivate us, that we need to, to, to encourage us and lift us up, Lord, I pray that we would go away today quick to change what you teach us that needs to be changed. Lord, teach us today that this community ...on display in these verses is absolutely key. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So first of all this morning, we need community for spiritual support. We need community for spiritual support. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8. The Bible says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek... And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. That's a different Aaron, by the way, in case anybody was wondering. That was a bad joke, I'm sorry. (laughs) Verse 11. Let's get back to what God says. Verse 11. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed... And when, Aaron, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword." So here in these verses we find the children of Israel, they're still encamped at Rephidim, which if you remember, that's the same location they were in last week when they got water out of the tree. And they find themselves engaged in a battle with the Amalekites, who are, our little history lesson, the descendants of Esau, who swore that they would try their best to destroy, they would always be at war with the people of God. And you might think, well, the Israelites, they have been enslaved in Egypt for the last however many years. And all of a sudden, they come out of nowhere. And if you remember, they didn't fight any battles to get out of Egypt. God did all that for them. So then they come, they're on their way to the promised land. And out of nowhere, they get attacked by these people who hate them from years and years and years ago. And I imagine some of those people are like, well, I mean, what did we do? We're just, like, we're literally just walking. We're just on our way, just passing by. But the Amalekites, they attack, and Moses, he sends Joshua to lead a battalion of soldiers out. And by the way, this is the first time Joshua is mentioned in Scripture, and he'll be mentioned over 200 times more after this. A beautiful, amazing picture of Christ um, in in the Old Testament. But Moses sends Joshua to lead this battalion uh, against the Amalekites. Then Moses goes to pray with Aaron and her, holding up the rod of God. Have you ever thought about Moses and what used to be his rod? It's what he would have used as he walked around the mountainside with his sheep. It's what he would have used to maybe fend off a snake or a wild animal or whatever it might have been. It was his rod for a long time. But then God spoke to him at the burning bush, and he said, Take the rod in your hand, and with that I will show the Egyptians that I am with you. And in that moment, it no longer became Moses' rod. But it was the rod of God. And there wasn't anything special about this stick that who knows where Moses found. Maybe he made it. Maybe he was walking along one day and thought, oh, that looks like a good rod. I'll take that one. Maybe it was one that had got, or maybe he had thrown one away and gotten a new one and thrown one away and gotten the new one. Maybe this isn't even the same rod that he had at the burning bush. But no matter what, he's not acknowledging that it's the rod. He's acknowledging that no matter what it is, it's God's. He takes the rod of God and Moses with lifted hands and the rod of God was confessing utter dependence on the authority and the power of Jehovah to fight and win the battle. Utter dependence on the authority and power of Jehovah to fight and win the battle. We believe often that God has already won our battles, that's easy to say. But we want to fight as hard as we can. But the fight isn't up to us. Now that doesn't mean Joshua didn't send, or Moses didn't send Joshua to the Amalekites to fight. We still have to, we still have to fight the good fight, as the Bible says. We still have to, to, to do our part. But there's nothing that we're going to do in this fight. There's nothing that you have to bring to the army. There's nothing, there's no weapon you can arm yourself with. There's nothing that you can do that's going to help you in this fight. It is complete and utter dependence on Jehovah God to fight and win the battle. And that's exactly what happened. But, in that fight, the simple thing that Moses had to do was exhausting. As he stood on the hilltop with his hands lifted and the rod of God in his hand, he got tired and he needed help. F.B. Meyer says, It is a most beautiful picture. Three men in prayer together, two holding up the third. I want us to think back on Moses' early years. Moses would have never considered winning a battle without fighting. But now he has seen God do enough that he knows he can win it by praying. Did you catch that? Think about Moses years ago. Forty plus years ago. Whenever he murdered the Egyptian. To try to take something into his own hands to do something for this people, this people of God that he saw enslaved and being treated wrongly. People that he knew he was a descendant of. He was one of them. And he tried to take control in his own hands and he never would have considered winning a battle without fighting. But now he has seen God do enough that he knows he can win it by praying. Moses grew up a a prince of the strongest nation in the world at the time. A prince of the land of Egypt. No doubt would have been trained in combat. No doubt would have been trained in how to lead an army. But yet in this instance he says, hey Joshua, take some men, go fight, and I'm going to go pray. And I don't know, maybe he had a more extensive conversation with Joshua about strategy and things like that. But the Bible doesn't say so, so I'm not going to speculate that he did. I'm going to say that Moses said, hey Joshua, take some men to fight, I'm going to go pray. And Jehovah God fought and won the battle. Church family, we fight our greatest battles while we fight them on our knees. But the point that we need to drive home this morning is that Moses had a community of people around him in that fight. A community of people around him for spiritual support, for intercessory prayer support. We're talking about Moses and his prayer this morning, but Moses and his prayer would not have lasted till the sun went down if it were not for Aaron and her beside him your faithfulness in whatever matter it might be that you need prayer for, that you need God to intercede for, you might not last till the end of that battle if it were not for the people that you have around you. Fighting that battle with you. Giving you a rock to sit on. Giving you a shoulder to lean on. Church family, it is absolutely vital. It is absolutely key that we have community around us for spiritual support. The Bible tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. All through the Bible we see examples of people in community. God himself is a community There's one God, but there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the triune God lives together as one in community. And three different people, which is unbelievable. It's, it's, It's impossible for us to even comprehend and wrap our minds completely around it. But he gives us an example that community is key. He teaches us from the very beginning that it's not good that man should be alone. And he continues to give examples throughout Scripture over and over and over again. That community is key for your spiritual support. But community is also seen for celebrating God's provision. If you look in Exodus chapter 18, verse number 7, the Bible says, So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. Have you thought about that? That's kind of odd. I'm going to see my father-in-law here in a couple of weeks. I'm probably not going to give him a kiss. Um, he probably wouldn't want me to. I don't know. I'll ask him. We'll see. <laughs> and they asked each other about their well-being. And they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Now Moses had been away from his family for a while now. At some point in time, we don't know, but his wife and children, he had went back with her family... Uh, Maybe it was to uh, avoid the battles. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe it was to give news of the deliverance out of Egypt. We don't know. The Bible doesn't specifically say. But at some point in time, they had went back. And here Jethro comes to meet Moses out in the wilderness. And as they're catching up with one another, they begin praising the Lord and rejoicing for all that God has done in the life of Moses and the children of Israel. You ever been catching up with an old friend and all you can do is talk about how awesome God has been? If, If I can be honest with you, over the last two years... Really, over the last year, that is all it's been for me. Every time I catch up with an old friend, maybe somebody we knew when we were in Baltimore, or an old friend from from I was in a a wedding earlier this year with a a buddy of mine from high school, and all all I can talk about is how awesome God has been here in our church and how He's provided for Julie and I. It's it's been incredible. And it's so easy to talk about how good God has been. But we need somebody to talk to about those things, right? I mean, I guess you can talk to yourself, but then you might have a harder time getting community than otherwise. Like if you're always talking to yourself, that might, people might find that a little bit odd. Um, but we need community to celebrate these victories and to rejoice in these victories that God has done in our lives. Community wasn't just for fighting the battles. Community was also for rejoicing in the victories. And we need a community of believers around us so that we can celebrate the goodness of God with one another. I'm so excited for Thanksgiving. It is one of my favorite times of year, not because we get to eat so much. Brian, make sure you bring your smoked turkey, okay? Um, I didn't get any last year, and I was highly upset. Um, But that's not important, though. What's important is that we're going to be together rejoicing in what God has done for us. That's what community is for. When someone experiences a victory in their lives, we all celebrate it as a community. And you need a church family to celebrate Jesus with and all that he's done for us. So not only uh, do we need community for spiritual support, not only do we need community for celebrating God's provision, but we need community for sound advice. Exodus chapter 18 verse number 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and placing over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. And let, them, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every smaller matter they, shall themselves, uh, they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart And he went his way to his own land. This is a very, very practical point in Scripture. And there's some great leadership lessons in what Jethro is saying. But we're not going to look at the leadership side of this this morning. We'll look at that another time and use this text to teach leadership then. But the point this morning is that the community that Moses had around him afforded him some wise advice from someone who had been there and who was further down life's road than he was. Some people say that Jethro uh, had a lack of faith in God. And that if God wanted Moses to do what Jethro had suggested, then God would have told him that. But we know that God uses people around us to talk sense into us sometimes. Jethro made his suggestion, but notice what he said next in verse 23. If you do this thing... And God so commands you. Then you will be able to endure. And all this people will also go to their place in peace. Some of the greatest advice you can ever get is to ask God first. Some of the greatest advice you can ever get. Well, I don't know what to do about my job. Ask God first. I don't know what to do about this situation in our family. Ask God first. Don't just ask God first. Ask God specifically. Ask God specifically. We don't have to pray in Bible language. You can pray and say, God, I don't really know what to do with this budget problem at work. God knows what a budget problem is, even though that's not in the Bible. God knows your heart. He knows your needs. Ask God first and ask Him specifically. And He'll answer. Wise counsel from those around us should push us to God first and then care about any advice that they have on the matter. You know, God gives people wisdom. God gives people discernment. And He gives people in your life to speak into your life Not so they can take the place of controlling you and doing what they think you should do in your life. But the wisest counsel and the most discerning counsel will say, ask God first. Here's my thoughts. Talk to God about it. And that's exactly what Jethro did. That's exactly what Moses' father-in-law did. And I don't know if if you've gotten to this point in your life yet. But this says in here that Josh is already there. I'm a little bit younger, I don't know if I am. I hope I am. I want as much advice as I possibly can get from as many wise people as I can possibly find. It's that simple. It doesn't take a lot of life to figure out that you don't have it figured out. It doesn't. And you learn really quick that you need advice from people. And the best advice, hey, yeah, here are my thoughts. Here's what God has taught me. Talk to God about it. See what he says. That's exactly what Jethro did. We need a community of people around us so that we can glean from their wisdom and counsel. And notice that that doesn't just mean the people who have experienced all the same things you have. That doesn't just mean the people who have been around on this earth the same amount of time that you have. That doesn't just mean the people that you're friends with. Now granted, I'm not going to go up to a stranger on the street and ask them for advice. Take some trust and relationship there. But you know, in my life, that doesn't exclude... Brother Bobby, from my list of counsel givers. In fact, it should put him at the top. That also doesn't exclude Zach. My peer. He should be on the list too. It should be diverse. It should be inclusive. And it should be the people who are in the community around us. We need community i desperately need community and so do you now notice this morning we didn't talk anything about personalities or what your enneagram number is or this and that and whatever because the need for community is no respecter of persons community doesn't look at a person and be like oh they're an introvert They're excluded. Every introvert in here knows you desperately need community. Now, it might not be 100 people in a big room. It might be one or two people sitting in a smaller room with a cup of coffee and nobody talking, but you're just there. Community doesn't care what your personality is, doesn't care what your preferences are. It just knows that you need it. And you know that you need it. We need it for spiritual support. We need it for rejoicing in the victories that God has already won. And we need it for wise advice and counsel. We desperately, desperately, desperately need community. And when you live in biblical, true biblical community, you find out what it truly means to live better together. You will. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm really part of the church. Are you in community? Have you gone to a connect group? Are you serving with other people? Do you ever pick up the phone and call somebody and be like, Hey, I got this problem going on in my life. What are you doing to put yourself in community? We are together. We're not the same, but we're living in community. It doesn't mean that everybody has to be exactly the same But through this local church, we are a community, and it is a vital part in the life of every believer belonging to this family. There's something amazing about it, isn't it? It's awesome. Being a part of this community of believers. And I want to challenge you today. Commit to being all in to living in biblical community. Commit to being all in to living in biblical community with your church family in spiritual support, in celebrating God's provision and sound advice. We need it desperately. You understand that all in doesn't mean, ah, but, you know, I had a long day at work, so I can't go to connect group. I had a long week, so I need to go home and get a jump on my afternoon nap. So I can't go to Connect Group. All in means going and being in community for spiritual support. To study God's word with other believers. You know, I have this issue, but I'll just figure it out. I don't want to bother them with my need. That's often our excuse, right? I don't want to bother them. That's what community is for. And if you don't want to be bothered, listen... That's what community is for. God has put you in other people's lives to give advice and to seek advice. We live on a two way street. It is vital. Being all in is willing to share a testimony of what God has done in your life, willing to to, to, to share and rejoice with other believers about how awesome He's been. All in doesn't leave anything out. So I challenge you today be all in in biblical community. But maybe you're with us this morning and you would not consider yourself a believer. Maybe you're watching online and and you've come across our feed and you would not consider yourself a believer. I want to invite you into the greatest community in all the world. And it's not Keystone Church. Although, we're up there. It's not Keystone Church. It's the body of Christ. There is no community like the body of Christ. It's the greatest community you could ever be a part of. The family of God. There's only one way in. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In Him we are made joint heirs and children of God. What a community. If you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, you don't know what you're missing. It's awesome. It's unlike anything you'll ever experience. And it's not spooky, it's not just some feel good magic whatever, it's real. God loves you enough to send his son to die for you, to literally give his life up for you so that you could have the same position that he has with the Father. What a community to be in. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone rdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.